Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. So the Reverend Mark Nam, welcome to the Church Times podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. So good to be here with you, Ed. We report this week on our website and in the paper about the launch of the Tea House. Can you tell us what it is? Absolutely. Um, The Tea House is essentially a group I set up um, during lockdown, would you believe, simply just to connect um, clergy who have Chinese heritage like me. When I was studying, actually, when I was thinking about whether to become ordained in the church, one of the first things I wanted to do was to find people who understood what it's like to be Chinese and an ethnic minority in the Church of England. And so really, it was me reaching out and finding people who are Chinese, you know, in whatever way I could, and just bringing us together. And that was the beginning of the Tea House. And there was a WhatsApp group, is that right? You, was that the initial way that you, you made contact? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, because of the lockdown and pandemic, it had to be a WhatsApp group. And what's really funny is uh, to find everybody, um, I had to buy something called a Crockford's subscription. This is like the yellow pages for clergy and you have to imagine one evening or two evenings my wife and I literally sat at the computer tapping in all the Chinese family names we could to try and locate people and and it took a year actually so it's quite a long process for me to find nine and yeah we connected as a whatsapp support group you know a place where we could you know share each share our experiences ask questions without being misunderstood or misjudged so it's a real safe place online to begin with. Um, I mean what sort of experiences did you find that those um clergy had had in the Church of England? Yeah, we've had a real mix of experiences, but one of the overwhelming uh, themes that runs through them is this idea of, of being invisible or overlooked or under underappreciated, I think, as, as East Asian clergy in the Church of England. Uh, in a, just to give an example, you know, whenever the church does surveys to try and get the opinions and perspectives of UKME or BAME, whichever you want, you know, clergy, because there's so few of us and I think the latest last year's statistic said we're 0.2%. Um, so whenever we gave our input, by the time all that data is processed into bar charts and pie charts, anything we've said is lost. So we feel voiceless. And so is the idea of the Tea House to be a, a support group, but also a kind of campaigning group to, to raise awareness and, and raise your voice? Yeah, exactly that. And it did happen kind of organically because originally it was just for support. But yeah, we realised, given this, the, these issues, that it was also a place where we could, um, yeah, just raise the profile, and not in a, you know, in a self-serving way, but raise the profile of East Asians, and particularly Chinese, in, in the Church of England. Because, you know, when I look at the news, you know, we have uh, up to a million Hong Kong Chinese possibly moving to the UK over the next five years. So the face of, the, of society is changing. But if they don't see their faces reflected, you know, in the leadership of a Church of England, which, which I didn't, which is why I did that search. You know, I don't see why they would feel at home here in the church. So, yeah, re- raising the profile is really important, a really important part of this group. And um, what, what's the significance of the name, the Tea House? What, what influenced you choosing that name? Um, that's a really good question. I think, it, I think I settled on the name when I was ordained deacon. So that's the first part of being ordained. And a friend of ours called Kate gave me a card and on it was a picture. She hand drew it beautifully of a Chinese teapot. And it said, more tea, Vicar. It was a lovely little card, but I got thinking, I thought, wow, tea itself is a wonderful blend of both Chinese 
and British because, you know, tea is obviously, obviously has thousands of years of heritage and tradition in China. But tea, when you think about it, is, is quintessentially very English. You know, up and down the country this Sunday, people will be saying more tea, Vicar. And so I thought, wow, that kind of, you know, that, that picture of blending and creating a new aroma is really beautiful. And, and in addition to that, it kind of reflected my own personal journey of, of learning to reconcile my own Chinese and British identities. And that then brought in this kind of, this element of, of racism. It got me reflecting on the racism that I've experienced and, and even the others in the group, you know, we share about it, the racism they've experienced, you know, in the church, in society and, and learning how to reconcile, you know, these parts of our identity and hoping the church can be a safe place. So the tea house was the name we settled on in the end. Sure. Can I ask a bit more about the racism you've, you've experienced? I mean, in, in the church, has it been overt or, or more covert or both? Yeah, um, I, I would definitely say it tends to, to being more, uh, I wouldn't use the word covert, um, but I, I would say um, more subtle or less noticeable, but still significant. And I think this, this is really important because we had Black Lives Matter and all that, that, that last year, and it was really important you know, for the church to recognise you know, the racism facing black and brown communities. Um, but that doesn't necessarily always reflect the type of racism experienced by East Asian communities. And that kind of gets lost, as I said, you know, amongst all the data, it kind of gets um, lost. And so the type of racism I think people like myself experience is more subtle. Uh, it's glass ceilings. I'll give an example using um, the Sewell report from the government, interestingly. So the government in April released a, a report um, from one of their commissions about racism. And they basically said in a nutshell, East Asian communities don't really face much racism. They do well in education, which is true if you look at the stats. But it's subtle because that's not true. Because if you look at the number of East Asians in middle and upper management, it clearly doesn't reflect those who are getting educated. So, so I think a lot of the racism we face is a bit more subtle and perhaps institutional as well. And it does cross over with the racism faced by other groups, but but it but it is sometimes more nuanced, and it gets it gets overlooked by the church. And and it, it's, am I right in thinking it's it's gotten worse since the pandemic? Yeah, you're right in that. I mean, think about you know across the pond, we had Trump with his rhetoric of Kung flu, Asian flu, and um, there's an independent group. Uh, their name escapes me, um, but they did a survey that Sarah Owen MP referenced in her. Uh, when she brought um, a conversation to the House of Parliament about East Asian racism. And it was shown that, yeah, this negative rhetoric in the media has a direct correlation with the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes, both in the States, but also um, in the UK. And um, yeah, according to the COVID anti-racism group, uh, which is a group I'm actually part of, um, it, it, it's risen by 300%. Uh, this is of hate crimes, this is physical crimes. Uh, but Moonshot, an independent survey of like the internet, have seen a 900% increase in hate speech. That's like hashtags against people of East Asian heritage. So there has been a sharp spike in that. And I really hope that the Church of England, you know, when it um, starts organising things like its anti-racism commission and, and so forth, has this in mind, that it's listening to East Asian voices and perspectives. I noticed you've had um, endorsements from the Archbishop of York and, and the Dean of Manchester for the Tea House. I mean, um how significant is that sort of support for your um, group going forward? 
Yeah, I was I was thinking about this last night actually. You know, because we had our meeting on Monday, and you know, I will have a dust to settle a bit. And yeah, you know, uh, the Archbishop of York and the Dean of Manchester, who's the chair of Semiac actually as well. You know, uh, both really endorsed uh, the tea house uh, in that press release, and I, I noticed they both mentioned the word hope. You know that 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 this community brings hope, and and I think that's wonderful. I'm really glad they identified that because I really believe that East Asians can really add to the Church of England. So in terms of racism, for example, you know, a lot of the, the, the dialogue, particularly in the media, is very polemic, black and white. It's kind of like a ping pong match, just back and forth, batting it back and forth. But, you know, if you introduce a third conversation partner, East Asians, you know, it, it triangulates a conversation. And when it's triangulated, it creates new vistas and opportunities for thought and progress. So I'm so pleased that, you know, the Archbishop and the Dean of Manchester, um, you know, re recognize that um, it was a wonderful endorsement. And, and yeah, and as I was thinking last night, you know, I'm thinking about history, you know, who, in, in 50 years time, you know, when people are, are thinking or even writing about this scholars, they'll probably pull pull that press release out saying, this is where, you know, the Church of England, the Archbishop of York, recognized and acknowledged the existence of East Asian clergy in the Church of England. So I think it's a massively significant moment and I'm, I'm really proud of it too. That, that obviously is very um, encouraging. I mean, what, but what barriers do you think currently exist to people of East Asian heritage being kind of fully included in the, in the life of the church and particularly in, in obtaining you know, leadership positions and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So it's great that the Tea House and our launch had a really warm reception and we had some great endorsements from leadership. But, you know, at the end of the day, the question always begs, but will it lead to action? You know, it, it's one thing to celebrate, you know, the, the East Asian clergy organising themselves, but then just leaving them to do it. Or will the Church of England, you know, and the leadership and the structures actually work towards change? It's got to be a partnership. It can't be us banging on the door. The door also has to be opened. Um, you know, and I, and I think I'm correct in saying that we don't even have any East Asian archdeacons. You know, so <laughs> it's almost like forget about the idea of, of, of bishops and so forth. We haven't even got on the grounds archdeacons who just affect in, in, in a local context, you know, some of the decisions and policies made um, to make a difference to, the, to these communities that, that we represent. So, you know, I'm, I'm under no illusion that, that it's going to be a long journey and it's going to be uphill. Um, and that's why I hope the Tea House is going to support those clergy who are part of a Church of England. I, personally, you know, I really had to question at the beginning during my discernment whether I want to be part, you know, of, of this church in terms of leadership. There are loads of wonderful um, Chinese churches, independent churches in the UK. And in some ways, it seemed a natural fit for me just to be part of that. But but I think it was through prayer I realised, or I believe that God has a particular place for me in, you know, in this time, as with the other clergy, and this is something we talk about. So we support one another in that, but it is going to be difficult. Can I ask about um, From Lament to Action, the report by the Archbishop's Anti-Racism Task Force? Um, so that received a lot of coverage, not least in, in the Church Times. Um, did, did you or, or your um, Chinese heritage colleagues can contribute to that? And were any of your concerns addressed? Yeah, we did. And I just want to backtrack a little bit, you know, to give some context to our engagement with, with the with the report. Um, I think it was on October 13th, um, the Church of England announced the creation of the Anti-Racism Task Force. And I remember that day because it was the very same day, 
And I mentioned this earlier on, that Sarah Owen MP um, brought East Asian concerns of racism to the Houses of Parliament, to the House of Commons. And I just want you to imagine uh, my, my computer screen. On the left-hand side, I had the Parliament, I was, I was watching it live. And then on the right-hand side, the Church of England, it pinged and I, I saw this press release. And what hit me really hard was that the government are finally recognising East Asians and, and that. But the anti-racism task force, as far as I could see, didn't have an East Asian voice, didn't have an East Asian face um, or, or perspective going in. So right at the very beginning of the creation of the task force, already I had some concerns. I'm totally behind what they're doing. But, you know, I'm like, but have they missed the boat already? So what I did actually was, you know, I, I emailed a few people who I happen to have been put in touch with who are on task force. And I said, you know, hey, guys, uh, you know, I'm so supportive, but, I, but I'm already a bit concerned, you know, that, that these voices aren't being heard. And what's great is, and I don't know if there is a link here. I, I don't know this. I can't verify it. But shortly thereafter, I noticed that the task force opened up an open consultation online. And it was a very short one. So I don't know if my email had any bearing on this. But our little tea, tea house WhatsApp group at the time, we had less than a week, you know, somehow to scrabble together some sort of response. You know, it wasn't the most articulate. I wasn't so proud of it. But we got it in just in time. And, uh, you know, and, and what I'm excited to say is that five of our recommendations made it into seven of the actual action points of the final report. Now, quite likely that they would have been there anyways, even if we hadn't <laughs> written in. But I still think it's significant that we were able to take part. And these are the type of invitations I hope that, you know, the Tea House and, and, and other East Asians have. They, you know, that, that the powers that be are, are proactively looking to listen and to create opportunities for our voices to be heard. You know, the Anti-Racism Commission is still being formed. I don't know, you know, what, what the, you know, who it's going to be made up of. But my hope is that at least one person of East Asian descent is going to be on it. And remember, you know, the East Asian demographic is going to be the fastest growing in the UK. Right. So I think it's so important that someone's there. But, e but even failing that, um, my hope is that the commission would at least try and partner with a dialogue with groups like the Tea House and others like it. Can I just ask a bit more about the launch on Monday? Was it was that one of the first, or was that the first time, or one of the first times that you've you've met together in person? Yeah, it was the very first time that we we got together, uh, and I organised it. You know, and and you know, I'm, I was always very nervous at the beginning, like you know, what's it going to be like? Is it going to be awkward? Um, but actually, and, and I think you know, one of the other one of the ordinands said this. It was like coming home. Uh, it was. And I think actually the Church Times quoted some, someone called Amy, you know, and she said, this is the closest I felt to the country and church. So it was a wonderful just coming together. It wasn't awkward in any way. And then we kicked off with, with a Eucharist at Southwark Cathedral. You know, what a wonderful way to start, you know, um, our, our gathering. And was that, our, I think we reported that was the, the first time you've received communion from a Chinese heritage clergy. Yeah, incredibly um, emotional uh, experience, incredible special moment. So uh, the canon presenter is is Andrew Zini, who, who's from Hong Kong. And yeah, I, uh, the day before I realized that for 38 years of my life, I'd never even actually really seen um, a priest in the Church of England who looked like me, let alone receive communion. And so I'm now 40. And so receiving it, and I'm glad someone got a photo, but receiving, you know, the bread from Andrew meant so much to me. You know, I, I really felt it was a moment of being accepted 
of being welcomed into the church in the most intimate of ways, you know, for what the Eucharist represents. It was amazing. And what sort of future plans do you have for the, for the tea house? Where would you like it to go? What, what would you like it to, to achieve, I suppose? Yeah, I think um, when I think about the future of the tea house, you know, I have to be really careful that I don't forget, you know, the main purpose of why it was set up. You know, it was primarily set up, you know, um, to support Chinese heritage clergy in the Church of England. Um, I do, however, hope that that will widen because, you know, we, we have many people of Chinese and East Asian heritage serving in the church as readers and wardens and so forth. And, you know, I, I don't know who they are. They're probably just as invisible as we are and probably just as isolated. So I would love for the tea house to become a place, a resource or whatever it is where, you know, laity can also find some sense of connection, belonging um, and support. But in terms of the whole, you know, engagement with, with, with wider issues like racism, they are very important and they are obviously natural concerns for our community. But I don't think the tea house is going to be or should be seen as like a social justice movement. Okay, that might be some of what we do, but it's not what we are. You know, I, I do look at other movements that are doing great work in, in these areas and they are movements, aren't they, where people kind of point to the movement and because it's a movement, it eventually um, forms its kind of own personality, its own perhaps ideology or whatever you call it. And at that point, that's when people, you know, start start attacking it and things get polemical. I think the tea house is going to be different. I think I'm going to flip it on its head because the tea house is meant to point to the people, the individuals. It's meant, as we said at the beginning, it's meant to raise a profile of individual clergy who I want the Church of England to hear their voices. It's not about us pointing to the tea house and then the tea house has some sort of big mass voice because even amongst the, um, the 12 clergy of us and a few ordinands, even amongst this small group, we have massive differences in opinion on all sorts of issues, you know, be it how to um, approach issues of race, uh, how to approach issues of, of um, gender and sexuality. You know, we're very different, but we see that as a strength. So if a tea house was to have its own stance on any one of these issues, it would alienate the pe very people that's actually trying to support. So, you know, moving forward, I just want to be um, very sensitive to that. The tea house is not trying to build itself up, create a massive following unto itself. It's trying to point people to those who I think have been invisible and overlooked. And if anyone's listening to this who's um, clergy of, of East Asian heritage, I mean, how, how can they get in touch? Or how can they find out more? Yeah, up until this point, it's been me, you know, searching Crockford's or, you know, looking in newspapers for you. But, but now that the, the Tea House has a website, which is www.theteahouse.org, you know, now that we have a presence, we've established that presence, I'm hoping that anyone who's interested will basically just contact us and then, and then we'll just take it from there. You know, and, and I'm, you know, I understand that there might be some who are like, this isn't for me or I don't need this. And that, and that's absolutely fine. We're just here to support those who might, who might find it helpful. Very early on, I had a dream as well that this tea house would be a place which would encourage East Asians towards vocation. Remember I said I found it, I really questioned whether I wanted to do it. And one of the ways I'd love for that to happen is for us to be able to provide grants, uh, nothing massive or big, but you know, book grants for those you know, considering it, because when I was studying at Trinity College, which is an awesome college, by the way, in Bristol, you know, I was given the freedom to pursue um, interests like studying East Asian theology and, and stuff like that. 
But the problem was when I went to the library, it didn't have the books I needed. And most of the books that cover this stuff and reflection are probably over the pond in the United States, uh, which means I have to pay quite a bit more money just to be able to read and learn and, and form. And so my hope, my hope actually, the next step is I'm going to start writing to people, asking them whether they might commit to giving some money uh, towards a fund. And I know people don't like to give to a bottomless hole. So my plan is maybe to make a three or a five year plan and say, look, on average, we're getting about, it's not many, maximum half a dozen East Asian um, people going through ordination. So if we think of a grant, a generous grant of 200 pounds, that's just over a thousand pounds a year I'd be hoping to get so that we could give this to them as, as they pursue their studies. Because when I started at Trinity, there was a lot of pressure on me to basically conform. You know, I was entering a white space predominantly. And so a coping mechanism for many minority groups, not just Chinese, is to assimilate. But I hope that this grant will empower these students to think, actually, I want to widen my reading and I can afford, you know, to do it um, is one thing we want to do. And, you know, and it's going to be like I'll set out a five year plan so people don't feel like it's a bottomless hole and hopefully people will give to it. And actually, it's not about the money, really, but it's about, again, creating that network where those going into the discernment process and ordination training feel like I'm not on my own and don't have to experience um, what I did. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. Thank you.